Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation. Welcome to a dark forest here in Austin, Texas. My hotel room is weird, so we cannot have a dork forest in my hotel room unless we want to sit on the floor like puppies. Uh, I am sitting here. Well, you know the website, storkforest.com, jackiecation.com. All of your merch scheduling needs can be fulfilled there if you were to need a Ranger t-shirt or a CD or if you want a magnet, by the way, I still have some. You can send me two bucks unless you're from somewhere else. Then send me three or four dollars. Like if you're from out of the country is what I'm saying. Anyway, the donation button. This will probably air in January. You can donate to me, or you can still donate to a food court. A food court? Don't donate to a food court. That sounds like you're going to a Subway sandwich shop. Wow. All right, a little punchy. Sitting across from me. <laughs> uh, classic Austin, Texas dork, Noah Cutler. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jackie. And uh, Patrick, for a level, this is my voice, so that's what fix that later. There you go. And uh, Noah, so fan of the dork forest, said to yourself, Jackie could do a live dork forest at the comic book store here in Austin. I know that guy. And why do you know that guy? You know that guy because you're dipped, man. Oh, man. So I've been going to Austin Books. If I say how long I've been going there, it will show my age. Well, how long have you lived here? Well, so here's the weird thing is I lived here when I went to college. Right. Then I moved to New Jersey because I had a job offer in New Jersey. Sure. I realized that being from South Florida, the cold was not for me. Right. And New Um, Jersey was too much. When I first got frozen out of my car and was under my desk crying like a little girl <laughs> because it was snowing, I kind of realized, like, this wasn't going to happen. Right. So I moved back down in 2000, actually. Okay. And I've been living here since 2000 and going to the, the same book. comic book store, yeah. Okay. And where did you go to college? University, U- University of, Texas? of Texas, yeah. Okay, nice. And uh, uh, what did you study? Well, the funny thing is I went in as a film major. Okay. I came out as an advertising major. Okay. And I do neither. You do neither of those things? I'm in marketing, actually. You're in marketing? Yeah. Well, advertising, some film, some creating of illusion. Yes. And by the way, the Bill Hicks bit about marketing is one of my favorite things in the world. I will look it up since uh, I have have never heard that. Uh, I listened to a, a Bill Hicks compilation CD flying uh, overseas. They had, for some reason, they had comedy albums. Oh, nice. Yeah, on the, as an audio choice. And um, one was the best of Bill Hicks, which had over 50 tracks. Yeah. So it was awesome. But um, I can't listen to that much. I mean, I, I, I prefer my, you know, I, I don't listen to comedy albums very much, but I like um, interviews with comics. Right. I can do that. And so then they also had this thing, I think it's Laugh.com, I've talked about it before, but they interviewed Woody Allen in 1970, yeah. and um, Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter, interviews a bunch of comics as well. And then I just bought one. I got one for my birthday, the Johnny Carson one, where the, it's an interview from 1967. I heard you talking about that, and it's that kind of sounds fascinating. fascinating. It was fascinating. You know what? I'll link those again. What the heck, well, people? And you know PBS just did this American Masters I on I Woody Allen. That. It, you know what? There's an iPad app. For PBS, mm-hmm. you go into American Masters, you can watch the whole thing right from the app. Well, well, well. I Boom, think there you go. There I go. I'm in. Does it cost anything? And it's free. It's PBS. PBS. <laughs> PBS. Yeah. What they'd like me to do occasionally? Donate. Get a tote bag. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know. Free tote bag. I almost donated to a PBS station in Sunnyvale, California, because they were showing something I really wanted the present for. I wanted the... Um, <laughs> it was a duets. It was a... It was a... Um, uh, Wizard of Oz. What's her name? Judy Garland? Yeah, yeah. Judy Garland. It was a Judy Garland duet um, DVD. And so it was a duet with Liza Minnelli. It was a duet with, you know, um, names that are not coming to me. Not a close-up of the poster of the guy hanging in the background? No. Okay. No, what's that? There's a There was this thing where people said that in the background of one of the scenes, there was a dude that hung himself and was like... Oh, in the Wizard of Oz? Yeah, in the Wizard of Oz. But (laughs) it's the same thing as like the three, you know, three men and a baby ghost in the window. Was there a ghost in the window and three men? It was a stand, it was a stand up. It was like one of those cardboard stand ups that they have like in convenience stores. You know, yeah. And it was behind the set. 
Right. It's just it was just a continuity issue. Right. Right. Or just a, a not a continuity. But you know, yeah. the same thing happened in um, not Scrooge. Uh, wow, Dickens Christmas Carol. Yeah. Okay. The 1951 uh, with Alistair. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the very famous one from the 50s. Yeah. I, I'm Jewish, so you oh, have to enough. realize okay. that. So Christmas morning, Alistair. Yeah. Is uh is uh, Scrooge is looking in the mirror doing a monologue to himself about how he's going to change and be a better better guy, right? Right. Uh, in the mirror, in the DVD, in the remastered DVD, or in the Blu-ray, I don't know if there's Blu-ray, but even in the DVD, you can see uh, boom mic guys leaning against the wall. Nice. Yeah, just kind of bored, waiting for their next well, task. <laughs> who, who ever thought that there would be a future where high-definition video would be delivered to people's homes. Right. And they could pause things. Right, frame by frame and go, yeah. you know, because like LA Story has a, has a free boob in it. There's a, there's a, a nipple shot in LA Story where mm. I saw it on the VHS only because I'm a toddler and I'll watch a movie over and over and over again. And I remember watching LA Story on, someone had given me a giant TV. Right. And so I'm watching this movie and, uh, for the first time on this giant TV and I'm like, is that, Wait, is that her breast in the background? It's the scene where Steve Martin is um, buying those pants at a Hollywood bistro. Right. Uh, in those 80s. And yeah, they have those weird dressing rooms. Right, the dressing rooms are completely closed. Right. Some in, woman is taking off her shirt, and you're like, that is her naked body right there. In, in Bachelor Party, they kind of parody that, like on Venice Beach, those type of dressing rooms where it's like only half a door. Is Bachelor Party Tom Hanks? Yeah. That's what my brother what Russ loves that movie. And Adrian Zamud, who is <laughs> yeah. like in nothing else. But you know, Bachelor Party is fantastic. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, well I'll I'll you know the thing is is I need some more crap to read it, and it, I'll go it, back to the vault to do it. it. It's Tom Hanks before he like transitioned into from the like serious statesman that he is yeah, today. <laughs> you know. Although my friend Judd was telling me that he did an interview and he was talking about like Turner and Hooch being like one of the hardest movies to do because of the dog. Because of the dog, yeah. Pets wow. and dog, you know, yeah, pets yeah. and babies. You, you know, you don't want to and water. You know, you don't want to film on water. Oh, right. You don't want to shoot with babies or pets because it gets very difficult. Yeah, I didn't think about the water just because it's so unstable. Well, you know the whole thing with Jaws, which is interesting, is you know that opening scene of Jaws, which is so dramatic, it's got... That wide shot of the beach kind of thing? or No, it's the woman swimming at night. Oh, okay. And then you see just the shark fin coming yes. through, and it's, it's very suspenseful. Right. Okay. The reason it was shot like that... Yeah. The shark didn't work. Oh, that's right. It, I heard something. That, that for the first couple of weeks, the shark didn't work? Yeah, and so they had to improvise, <laughs> and all of that was improvised. And it's... It's even better. It, right, exactly. And, and it's one of those things where not having money sometimes in a movie actually helps you. Right. Because you get that much more creative. Right, right. It you makes know. you... Which is why those giant budget, you know, some of those giant budget monster movies are like... Well, it's, there's no reason for this not to be amazing. And right. when they suck, it kind of blows. Because you're like, remember the American Godzilla movie? Yeah. Yeah, where all you see most of the time is his foot. And you're like, that's not enough. I, yeah, exactly. You really? You need to... Godzilla, please. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember the marketing campaign for that had taken a cue from uh, Star, uh, Starship Troopers. Okay. And it was like everywhere in New York City. I mean, there were... You know, like oh, like on every surface, right? His foot is this long, right? You know, all these things, right? But the funny thing was, Starship Troopers. My oldest brother, just to give you an idea of how detached from reality he is, (laughs) I'm talking to him on the phone, and he says, "Oh, siblings." He goes, "Yeah." He's like, "I was in the elevator, and these people were talking about some science fiction movie that's coming out." I'm like, "Starship Troopers, Jay." (laughs) You, You mean the one that's on every billboard, every street corner, ever? Ever in, in anywhere in New York, I mean, you could not escape, and it was like everywhere. It wasn't really ever. so Godzilla. They did kind of the same thing. They just like right. plastered, you know. And just, now the Whitney Cummings TV show. Uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> apparently, there's some issues with yeah. uh, every flat sweatpants and you know, yeah. Which I understand it, it's it's a perfectly fine show. Yeah, watch I it. It's good. You, you know. watch it. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. All right. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about uh, comic books. I even yes. brought you down the, the, the six that I brought to read um, while I'm on the road. 
Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know. What so, of, yeah, so Catherine Eminen, who wrote the Thor one-shot. Oh, okay. In my opinion, is one of the most underrated writers working for Marvel. Um, she has just done... What else did she do? Because I know her name, and I like it. But I, she did this, um, there was a five-issue miniseries that was, like, weekly, that was with all the female superheroes... Yes. That she did. She did Runaways. She did. Uh, she just did a Jubilee miniseries. Oh, I read that too. And she did Hellcat, which was great. Was that DC? Uh, Marvel. She's, that Marvel. She's done mostly Marvel stuff. Okay. Um, and yeah, her husband is Stuart Eminen. Right. Who was the artist on the Avengers. Okay. And he did Next Wave, which uh, Warren Ellis wrote. Next Wave Agents of Hate? Yes. <laughs> that was great. Which is awesome, exactly. Really? Agents of Hate? Yeah, a robot who hates humans. Right. You know. Fleshy one. Yeah. I believe was the line. E- ex- exactly, yeah. Did she write that? She, uh, no, no, no. Her husband illustrated that. He illustrated that. Warren okay. Ellis wrote that. Oh, that's right. Um, but yeah, so they, the two of them, um, they did a book called Moving Pictures for Top Shelf, which was really good about World War II. Okay. Um, and, uh, but yeah, she's a great writer and she doesn't do all that much for Marvel, but when she does do stuff, it's always great. She, yeah, she nails it, you know, and, and same thing like, you know, Brubaker right now he's doing, you know, and I know you had him on the podcast. Yeah. He's doing criminal with Sean Phillips and right. he's doing winter he's doing soldier and is he, it, is winter soldier. It, it doesn't seem to be coming out as fast as I wanted to. It'll start, I think in January or February again. Okay. Yeah, I think I think they're no Ed Brubaker for people who uh, and I don't know how you could not know because I gush about the dude all the time, but uh, he's he's a comic book writer and and wrote he he killed he's famous for killing Captain America right and bringing him back to life. But his noir stuff is amazing. Criminal is in fact I brought notes with me. Uh, Rangers yeah. of the Dark Forest. <laughs> I, I I prepared myself. I brought notes. Yes. Um, one of the comics that I would say, if you're new to comics, you're looking for a comic just to get into it. Right, gateway drug, man. You got Cri- one? Criminal will, first of all, it'll ruin you because right. Sean Phillips does the art, Edward Baker writes it. The two of them have a collaboration on that book that is just, they're doing noir stuff that movies used to do. Yeah, and for whatever cool. reason, aren't doing anymore. Right. I mean, it's so beautifully drawn, and then and the and the stories are so powerful. You know, uh, are you reading that new Joe Hill thing? Because the old one, Lock yeah. and Key, is great. So yeah, Lock and Key. That was another one. I, yeah. I'm a little late to the party on Lock and Key. I'll I'll, I'll admit it. I, I I tend to uh, weed off into sort of more indie stuff, and then Andy's like, "Well, we're gonna be getting a lot of superhero titles." And he also yeah. Andy really loves a uh, a teenage superhero. Okay. And uh, like a Teen Titan or yeah, so. or Superboy or something so, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah, Lock and Key is another one. So Brad Meltzer actually got me into Lock and Key, and we'll probably talk about him in in, in a second. But Lock and Key is one of the best comics being published right now. Like yeah. it, it's just and it's scary and it's dark and you wouldn't. I can do creepy in comic books. Unlike any other genre. Right. Which is weird. Well, and, and that's the power of the medium is that things that don't work in movies or things that don't work in television or even novels work so well in comics. Right. And like, for instance, voiceover narration. If you watch the Spirit movie, yeah. oh my God, listening to Frank Miller dialogue is painful. Oh, you know what? I did not. That was the guy with the hat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's good that you yeah. didn't see it. But but listening no, to no, I did see it. Oh, I accidentally okay, yeah, did see it because I was like, oh, this should be something. So the, it, it's hard to duplicate comic books on yeah. the big screen for some reason, and it, because the voiceover in your head it it works. Yeah, timing, and you know, it's funny. I I, I think I realized why comedians like comic books, and it's timing. Okay. Because if you think about, and, and there's a book called Understanding Comics that Scott Ooh. McCloud did. Yes, yes. Matter of fact, um, um, Brett Bent Washburn said that that was, if you wanted to get into art, that yeah. you should read Understanding Comics. Oh, he said it was a great intro. And, and, and he talks about, and exactly, and he talks about time. And when you think about it, between panels, time is moving. Mm-hmm. And you're filling in the gaps. Right, right. 
And if you think about comedians, you know, timing is everything for what you guys do. Right. And by the way, I will take a moment just to embarrass Jackie a little bit. What? She killed last night at Cap City. It was really fun. Everyone was very nice. If you are in a town that she is, is performing in... You need to go. You need to see her live. <laughs> yes. She killed. But here's here's what an interesting thing people have come up to me. They listen to the podcast, and they've never seen my stand-up. They're like, well, I don't know if it's going to be the same. Is it just going to be the same as your podcast? And nobody talks like that, by the way. That's, that's right. my generic voice of no, people not. <laughs> and, uh, no, I do jokes. I do uh, I do material. I do. It's, it's yeah. not the podcast. It's not me not the- knowing about music or movies. <laughs> it's <laughs> me talking about my family, which I know too much about. The only <laughs> podcast... That is like someone's act is Greg Proops because it is his act. Oh, that's right. And yeah. Proops, it doesn't matter. Proops is yeah. great. You still want to go anyway. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same thing, but it's more of the same thing, and it's just awesome. And, and by the way, we'll do a uh, unofficial uh, crossover with the Greg Proops uh, podcast, and I'll just mention Satchel Page, uh, who is a uh, baseball player. Yes. Yes. And so now we have. Yes. You know, an unofficial crossover. Right, right. Who's Brad Metzler? Is that a... Meltzer. Meltzer? So, Brad is... So, this is a weird... Is he a comic book writer? He's a comic book writer. I've He's a novelist. Name, a, yeah. A novelist as well. And he has a show on History Channel called Brad Meltzer's Decoded, which everybody should watch on Wednesdays. Okay. Um, and, yeah, so he is... My brother-in-law... It, it's a long story. You're connected to him? Connected, yeah. So, in fact, when I was down for Thanksgiving, I... Stay in their, you know, I stay in their guest room. Okay. Um, and I, and he's. What does he, what, what has he written? So, yeah, so he's probably one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend. I mean, I talk to him like every day on the phone. Okay. He wrote Green Arrow. He wrote Identity Crisis. He okay. wrote Justice League of America. Oh, wow. And then he wrote, the most recent comic he did was um, Buffy, the, you know, the season eight that they did as comics. Yeah. He did the, second to last story arc of Buffy. Okay. Oh and, wow. Yeah. And so I've you know, I kinda since his first book, Tenth Justice, at, whenever he writes something, he sends it over to me, I read it, we talk about it, and oh, you know, nice, I'm kinda nice. like give at, some feedback. Yeah, exactly. Like after his wife, I'm his it. first Nice. You know, yeah. And then That's neat. Yeah. And like whenever you know it's funny because he used to say that instead of using a search engine he just Use my phone number. Oh, there you go. It was oh, just easier right. to call Are you me. His Google. For uh, pretty, a while? pretty much, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You were dipped, my friend. And oh. it's well, you know, the funny thing is, I keep a low profile because one of the things that I worry about is you hear these stories of like the old gunslingers in the West. Somebody wants. There's a dork out there that wants I, to take you down. Yeah, and someone says like, you know, they shout out. They're like, Jen Kirkman, and I'm like, she was on acceptable TV that Dan Harmon did. <laughs> you know. Rashida Jones, she was in two Gap commercials, everybody in cords, everybody invests. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it gets to the right. crescendo, and they say, you know, Dana Carvey. Mm-hmm. I'm like, his brother was one of the engineers in Video Toaster. And I turn around, and it's a nine-year-old boy. Right. And then I realize I have to hang it up because That's it's it. just gotten... You're dipped. Did you, have you read Ready Player One? I have not, and the reason is because video games are my biggest blind spot. Oh, there you go. It's but the thing is, you can't do all of it. It's like right, cause, right, because I mean, there's only so many mediums that you can really get into. Yeah, I, comics are my thing, and then you know, movies and, and movies. television. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, but it goes, but, it goes comics, movies, and then television. Yeah, pretty pretty much, pretty much yeah. yeah. And you know, and yeah. So I've been working with Brad on you know all the stuff that he writes. I mean, after his wife, I literally am the first person that reads stuff, and we go back and forth and. You know, research and, and things like that. And the funny thing is, so this is a perfect... You go to the long boxes for him? I go to the a, long boxes in my mind, that's Jackie. It, that's it. It's a, but did, I remember, did you read that She-Hulk uh, yes, series? Yes, that, where they had the law firm. It the was firm. Dan Slott, I believe, it was, was writing. Slott, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting. And, uh, and that was yeah. a perfect book for him, too, because he his style of humor, he's writing Amazing Spider-Man right now, and actually, Brandon at Austin Books got me back into Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I have a hard time with Spider-Man. I, it, 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 it's same here. Okay. Same here. Yeah. And, and his style of comedy, it's good in doses. Right. And that's why She-Hulk worked. Yeah. But, you know, to give you an idea of the, the working relationship that Brad and I had, this is like a perfect example. He, We met at, so Judd Winnick was his roommate in college. He was also a friend of mine. 
and who I would go to Comic-Con with. And Judd Winnick is a comic book writer. He's doing Batwing and Catwoman right now for DC. Okay. Um, most people, he, he's going to kill me, but most people know him because he was on The Real World San Francisco. Oh, my God. And that's yeah, going... Nobody, nobody, I'm... Well, that's not true. But Rangers might know. It, it's uh, going back. <laughs> but So, at Judd's wedding, we met Bob Shrek, who is one of the nicest guys in comic books ever. Is he green and a giant monster? No, okay. but but he has a beard. Yeah. Um, but he's one, of, he's one of the nicest guys in comics, and he was an editor at DC at the time. He is the guy, when Frank Miller wouldn't work at DC, and then all of a sudden Frank Miller was doing Dark Knight Returns, or yeah. the Dark Knight 2, it's because Bob was at DC. And, like, there are a lot of, a lot of creators who work with Bob. Right. Because he's... It's, he's easy to work he's with. He's easy to work with. That's great. So, Bob had this thing where Kevin Smith was finishing up Green Arrow. Okay. They needed to put someone on the book so that sales just didn't, like... Tank. Tank. Yeah. They wanted to do, you know, like a little bit of a stunt. You know, they needed some sort of stunt. So, they said, hey, novelist Brad Meltzer... Right. ...will get him because he's been putting comic references in all of his books. Right. So, in the 10th Justice, like, all the, uh, all the uh, judges are named after Watchmen okay. people. Okay. <laughs> So Brad and you know Brad and I are talking. We're going through story ideas, and nothing's coming. Nothing's coming. And this is in the in the afterword of Green Arrow, um, but I'll like verify it for Wikipedia as a second source. No yeah, I like so, it. I like it. So we're talking. Nothing's coming. I said, hey, you know, there's this this show called Coupling from the UK, right? And nobody knew about it because he wasn't doing Doctor Who. And yet. the only and, reason I knew about it was because my friend Jane Edith Wilson, friend of the show. Did the American version that didn't last? Yes, which I have through nefarious means, and I've seen, and is yes. is, is it's okay. Just okay. Yeah. Yes. So I said, hey, you know, they had this this episode where they were talking about porn buddies, mm-hmm. and how if you die, you have a friend that oh. goes to your house and clears out the porn before. That's an old stand-up um, uh, premise, yeah. by the way. Oh, that's and, weird. And so right there, it clicked because Green Arrow had come back from the grave. Right. So. Something clicked in Brad's brain where, like, well, if you were a superhero, <laughs> you would have someone that goes and gets rid of all the evidence that you're a superhero. So because of your secret identity. Right. And so from awesome. that, yes. he, he's, in, he's in an airport somewhere. I forget where he was. And it literally was like Tetris. He's just stacking bricks. And it's like. He's telling me stuff, and I'm typing, and right. it's like boom, 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 and okay, and this, and this, and, this, and, this, you yeah, know, and yeah. it was like watching, you know, you know, watching a great writer, and I refer to him as a great writer because yeah. he's a great writer. Yeah, watching a great writer just like just find something and do go. it. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's that's amazing. I typed it up, and by the time he got to wherever it was, he had it on his, his BlackBerry. Right. And off to the races. So. You typed it on a BlackBerry? No, no, I typed it on my computer, oh, sent God. it to him. I yeah. Like, <laughs> but he he's actually pretty quick with his BlackBerry. Um, <laughs> so, cut to, he's doing Identity Crisis, mm-hmm. which was a miniseries that uh, DC had asked him to do, and I'm reading the script, and they're talking about this character, the Calculator, who, the Calculator was a villain in... In the seventies, maybe in two or three books, like a C. Wait, I think I read this. It's because the calculator. That sounds like the dumbest villain ever. Right. So the whole thing was, as a dumb seventies villain, the guy right. decides to reinvent himself, mm-hmm. and Oracle, who is the person that all the superheroes That's use. That's right. I read this. The calculator is the villain version. Right. So I'm reading the script. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then it says the calculator, comma. Noah Cutler. And I'm like... Oh, you got named? So that's... Yeah, so if you do a search on my name... You are the calculator? The calculator comes up. So my SEO is so screwed up that I was on a date one time... What is SEO? uh, Search engine optimization. There we go. So I was on a date one time, and I literally... I sit down with the girl, and the first thing she says to me is, I did a Google search on you. Explain yourself. Is, was she a giant dork? No, she wasn't. So she she thought that you might have actually been a supervillain, or she's thinking like her? I'm using no, no, no. It was a, yeah, exactly. That was uh, yeah. Didn't work out. I have, I have, <laughs> yeah. It, so yes, and so yeah. So it's weird if you look up my name on Google. It's like 
comic book related things that are the calculator. Right. Technical papers that I've helped, you know, uh, you know, given guidance on and things like that. Right. And then like technical stuff for work. Right. So it's really kind of messed up. But yeah. <laughs> so he named the calculator after me. That's awesome. That's which is, so great. Which is very, very awesome. <laughs> um, and I, didn't, didn't the calculator kidnap everybody and make everybody go to the carnival or something like that in he, Oracle? He might have, you know, but after that, you know, Brad had only writ- written to him for seven issues. Okay, so he but created, so, he brought him back. Right, he brought him back and he kind of gave him this new right. approach, which, okay. was, which was a very interesting thing. Yeah, because I think that's where, because it was about Birds of Prey or it was about... Yeah, it was um, probably like Birds of Prey. I know Gail was using the character for a while. And Gail Simone, I'll read anything she writes. I genuinely will. Yes. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, um, she she writes a lot of fun books. Yeah. And, you know. Um... Yeah, so I'm, but I, but I like that, uh, like that these that they're doing this Avenger Origin series. Yeah, I have no idea. Like they did a Henry Pym Ant Wasp, right? With Wasp, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I have no idea what their origin well, Thor. I've got all kinds of information about the Thor origin story. Yeah, and, and by the way, they love retelling origin stories because they're easy to do because right. the, the templates there. But also, you know, it's funny. Someone I I'd written a blog post on getting into comics, mm-hmm. and the funny thing about comics now is. Is your the, blog on Tumblr? Uh, no, it's it's on WordPress. So it's WordPress. Uh, com. I'll link it. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And so uh, what's interesting is that, um, you know, basically the Amazon and the, and the iPad have created this thing that I refer to as the casual reader. Comic book reader? Yeah. Okay. Where it used to be that, you know, comics were published monthly. And when you missed them, they were done. And you had to go find long boxes for them. So right, like, you had to find someone who kept back issues and stuff. Right. So like when I wanted to find the Alan Moore Swamp Things in 1996, I literally had to go to New York, run around New York to go to all <laughs> these comic book stores, right. get in my car in New Jersey, run around, try and find these things. Right. Whereas now everything is collected in trades, right. hardcovers. Everything's available on Amazon or the kin- or you know or Kindle yeah. or iPad, which, by the way, is not to say that you shouldn't go to your local comic book store. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm having a hard time watch, reading comics online, even though there are a bunch of web comics that right. are, I read those online. But, it's, but just the availability is of amazing. comics is amazing, because it used to be that, you know, you look at older comics, and I forget, I think it was Matt Fraction that was talking about this, that in, in, I think he's it was, great. yeah, he's fantastic, yeah. and by the way, I think it was on Word Balloon, which is a podcast that's all interviews with uh, with comic book people, which is amazing. What? Word Balloon? Word Balloon, John Suntress. It's like Charlie Rose for comic book nerds. <laughs> all right. And I think it was Fraction. If I'm mistaken, I apologize. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about how people get on older comic book writers because you'll read. There's a lot of expository dialogue. Like, yeah. I'm Scott Summers. I'm Cyclops, the you know, oh. leader of the X-Men. Oh, right, right. And the reason for that is because... It's so that everybody can jump in. Right. You never knew if a comic was someone's first comic. And Stan Lee had always said, write a comic as if it's someone's first comic. Okay. So this idea that you could go to somewhere and get all of the story. Right. Is Without having to, like, marry someone. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And and by the way, I I do think that at some point a woman will marry me for my comic book collection. (laughs) Which, by the way, ladies, I'm fine with. I got yeah, no problem yeah, with that. Yeah, that's fine. It's a, if you want to be used for that, no, you're in. No problem. That, right. that in healthcare. You know, right, right. <laughs> we have good healthcare at my company. Oh, very nice. Um, but yeah, so, the, you know, the, the casual reader, you can be someone that goes to a comic book store, picks up a trade here, a this there. Well, and people have been giving me guff because I, uh, not guff, but, but they're like, well, you never recommend sort of the old classics. And I was like, well, I hate to tell somebody. Yeah, you should really get into Sandman unless they have access to 14,000 graphic novels because I don't want to recommend right. someone have to read them. I right. buy them. Right. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is that, you know, the nice thing, though, about Sandman is that it's it's encapsulated. And so it should be at libraries or? Yeah, it, well, it's it's at libraries and things like that. Neil Gaiman, you know, it's funny because Neil Gaiman. Sandman is amazing. Oh, Sandman is amazing. Neil Gaiman is one of the greatest writers to come out of, like, the world. The world, exactly. <laughs> so. And, you know, the nice thing about Sandman, though, is that is a comic that I like recommending, though, because 
it has a beginning, middle, and end. It's true. It's nice because it's finite. Right. Um, now, yeah. granted, it's 14 volumes. It's and, 14 volumes. But, but, but if I was going to do that, uh, like I could say, you know, and Fables is ongoing. Right. Which Fables is hasn't as finished well. yet. But, and, and it's also 14 volumes of, right. you but, know, you got to find a library. And Bill Willingham is amazing. But it's good. Oh, it is good. You know, it it's good. just like Why the Last Man. You, well, you know, Why yes. the Last Man is a great comic. And done. And which done. Which is good. And, and that's the thing is there, you know, there are two different types of comics. They're ongoing where the, you know, there's an ongoing character. Right. And like most of the superhero ones. Right. Most of the superheroes. And the nice thing is if you follow a writer, usually you can find the arc. Like, for instance, Brubaker has been writing this Captain America arc or like Avengers is a perfect example. Brian Michael Bendis, who, in my opinion, is the best comic book writer writing right now. All right. I know. Uh, it, it, I know. The, here's my thing about Bendis is that I'm completely uh, influenced by Andy Ashcraft, who can't take it anymore. And, I, and has been reading Bendis, I guess, since he but started. But see, I love, I've been reading him since he did a book called AKA Goldfish for Caliber. Yeah. And what's really funny is, so this is to show you kind of where Bendis is in his yeah, career let's now. Bendis. Yeah. So I met him, I had the AKA Goldfish trade paperback. That Caliber had printed with the crappy glue, it was falling apart. Okay. I meet Bendis at a Comic Con in the late nineties, and he's Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis. Bendis. Yeah. And he's falling over himself, apologetic. He's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." He's like, "I'll give you another one, you know, because the glue is so bad." I'm like, and in my brain, I'm thinking, "This poor guy, he can't afford to like give away right. the trade." Whereas now he's writing like. All of the best-selling Marvel books. Yep. He influences the move, you know, the movies that they do. Yep. And when he got on Avengers, you know, he's had a very long run on Avengers. Mm -hmm. I've loved every minute of it. It is a journey, though. Right. And it's expensive. Yeah. I mean, it, it's gotten a little. Uh, uh, the the X Men crossover titles. Well, I've yeah. got to call through some of that. I can't possibly afford yeah. to buy four titles. Well, and, and they're doing, every month. and next year they're doing a big Avengers X Men thing where it's going to be crossover. Well, or, or, it, it, they're going to be fighting each other, which is going to be awesome. Oh and my it's, god! It's Bendis, <laughs> Hickman, Jason Aaron, Brubaker, and Fraction are I all going to be writing it. Hickman is also another guy who the Nightly News is a great indie comic that he did. Oh. Okay. I never read the nightly. The nightly news. news is him taking on like big media. Oh, cool! And he does. That's what it. I love about comic books is you can take on anything. Oh, because nobody's reading them. And, and you're right. Just like, what well, the hell? see, and and that's the thing about comics that I love is that the best work in any medium is when nobody's looking. Yes. And let's be honest, nobody goes into comics to be rich and famous and to be a rock star. Yep. The only rock star in comic books is Neil Gaiman. I'm sorry. Like, if you write or work in comics, I'm sorry. <laughs> Neil Gaiman is the only he, rock star, he, and and it's still people don't know who he is. And right, and, yeah. And, you I know, mean, he's the closest comics have to a rock star. I and for, still, no one gives it. I forget. I think Felicia Day may have more Twitter followers than her. Yeah. And by the way, that's my obligatory Felicia Day reference as okay, well because I'm a huge enough. fan of the Felicia Guild Day. and yeah. Oh right, right. And, yeah. In fact, she was talking. So I, I, I work at IBM, which is not a secret, and. <laughs> She was doing a keynote at one of our conventions, and one of the people that I work with, Tiffany, said to me, she's like, um, would, would you mind writing a blog to tell people who she is? And I Ooh. said, uh, mind? <laughs> you know, it turns out she will be creeped out by yeah, the blog that well, you can write. <laughs> but here's the, here, here's the funny thing is, I met her in person at South by Southwest. Right. And... Nicest person ever. And my friend Nora was her, like, handler because she was a speaker. My friend Nora was working for, for South by. Nicest person in the world. And the thing was, I wasn't geeking out on the stuff because I, I love the stuff. Right. I was wanting to know if she knew my roommate in college who played violin because she played violin in college. At the same university? Or? At the same She went to UT. Okay. And my roommate at the time was that this annoying guy who played violin and he was always coming back and like going nuts over like trying to get first chair in violin. Right. And I just wanted <laughs> to know like, ambitious. I just wanted to know like, were you the guy driving him nuts? And if so, thank you. Right. Right. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Bendis, well, did she, uh, you know, I don't think so. I, right. I think the timelines didn't line up exactly, Correct. but she knew him she from knew other, him. Yes. yeah, from yeah. other violin things. You know, Bendis, yeah, it is There's a... There's a world that I've never oh, delved into. Is crazy... Should... 
you should get Felicia Day on for like violin nerds. You know, it's funny because Maria Bamford plays a violin, but uh, mm-hmm. does not. Like she was, you know, the she was Suzuki or Mitsubishi or whatever, right. and uh, and she can't she can't do it anymore because she was like because when I first met Maria, she was playing the violin. On stage. Who, by the way, one of the funniest human beings in the world. Yeah, if not the. Right. And, uh, yeah, she's, and, um, but her, she shaved her head and was playing the violin, and she was doing a lot of performance art when we first met. Nice. And the only, like, the most honest performer, even from the beginning. Like, this was right. 91. And, um, and I, my favorite story about Maria is we're at. We're at this sort of open mic. It's like an alternative open mic in Minneapolis. It's called Balls. Okay. And it's run by a woman named Leslie Ball, who, uh, it's a midnight to 2 a.m. every Saturday night at the local theater, the Southern Theater in Minneapolis. And it's still going on. Think about Leslie Ball. That, that I, one of my favorite Leslie Ball side notes is that Leslie Ball dated both Elvis Costello and Billy Bragg. Wow. Yeah. You're just like, there's some indie music cred. Wow. And Leslie Ball is an amazingly beautiful woman. She is, I mean, there's no reason why you would not if you were. Because she's like, she's got that earth mothery kind of thing, but she's a super fox. And now she's probably 50. But, I mean, it's, and still amazingly beautiful. But she'll let anybody go on that stage. Anybody. And so you'll see, like, lesbian drummers and Native American dancers or Native American drummers and lesbian dancers. I mean, it'll be like any, any combination of anything. And also very, like, local luminaries. Right. <laughs> indie crazy luminaries. And there was this guy. He's He was gay. He was the curator at the Walker Art Museum. And it was his birthday. And so he had decided that he wanted to dress as Cher, play a Cher song, and tell us a story. And he Makes also, sense. Yes. And half in the bag, like, giantly drunk. Nice. And so shows up. Leslie's like, Okay, go for it, Bill, or whatever his name is. And so he's sitting there. He's standing. He's got a boombox. He plays a share song, sort of soft in the background, extemporaneously right. telling the story. Takes out a vibrator and sticks it up, sticks it up his butt. And that it was performance art. And but the thing is, is it's Minnesota. Could he hold a tune with it, or uh, <clears throat> he was holding it? Okay. And, uh, Cause it, right, because it disappeared underneath his skirt, oh, God. and then he stood up and, and walked off stage. But the crazy thing is, is Minnesota, and Minnesota is full of very, very polite, sincere, uh, let's say wound up. And so the audience right. is just staring at him in disbelief, and then there's sort of this half-assed kind of applause, and then... And then I sort of, they're like, oh yeah, it's over. We should applaud. Right. And the only person who had the honest reaction was Maria, who was standing up because, you know, the, the performers are standing off to the side. And so he does it. He says, thank you very much, stands up and walks off to dead silence. And all you hear is Maria going, oh my God. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Austin, we call that a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, that's right. Because you guys have some performance art that's occurring. Oh God. But yeah, it, it's yeah. funny because you say that, and I, so I'd actually interned at a comic book company. Right. Which that one? is no longer around. Okay. It's called Techno, it was called Techno Comics. Okay. And their idea, which by the way, good idea. Right. Was find very high profile people. Right. Pay them 90s style money for ideas. Which is good or bad? Good. Okay. Like 90s, like when. Was mo- the golden age of comics? Well, just the golden age of money. Golden you know, like when people were just throwing money, oh, you right, know, because of the economy. Yeah, it just at anybody. Right. <laughs> so they would buy ideas from people like Neil Gaiman, for instance, and they bought a concept called Mister Hero. Okay. But then Neil Gaiman wouldn't write it; someone else would write and do the comic. But here was the kicker: was they would publish it as Neil Gaiman's Mister Hero. Uh, so, like, if you look at Thor, you know, right, Thor right. doesn't say like, you know, Stanley and Jack Kirby's Thor. Right. It's just Thor. Yeah. So they were using the you know the name you know the name to try and get people to um right to, to introduce themselves yeah. to this. So as an editorial intern, we were talking about dreams and uh I said, "Yeah, you know I had this really weird dream where uh, this girl that I went to high school with, I hadn't talked to in a while, um and I was trying to talk to her and she was smoking a cigarette and she kept on blowing smoke at me every time I went to go try and talk to her." <laughs> and one of the editors just goes, "You don't need to be Freud to figure that one out." <laughs> Well, so yeah, <laughs> honest reactions. But you know, 
the thing is, yeah, comics is expensive. There's yeah. no question. They're up and downs. And, you know, the thing is, Bendis, his run on Avengers is very expensive. He's been doing it for right. a lot of years. And there's, like, five crossovers. Right. Like, and, I do and he was doing two. And he was doing two books at the same... You know, he's right. been doing two Avengers at the same time. Powers is fantastic. Right. Though um, I do like Incognito better. Incognito is... I Just, like Incognito. And Incognito also blessedly finite. Yes. I mean, that might be my biggest problem with Brian Michael Bendis, is that it never ends. But you know what? But Ult- his dialogue is fantastic. But Ultimate Spider-Man yep. is the best superhero comic that is being published. And that comic, like... Is he still writing that? He's or? still... He's okay. been writing that for... I think he's going on, like, 200 issues or something like that. Yeah, but here's the other thing, is if I go into the Ultimate Universe, which is a parallel universe in right. Marvel, which is just all the same characters, but they have different sort of backstories. It's or, a different timeline, yeah. if you will. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I can't possibly start <laughs> collecting it, another but, timeline. But you know what? Ultimate Spider-Man is very self-contained. Okay. And it is one of the examples of... You hear a lot of writers talk about how they write to the strength of the artist. And, like, Judd is a perfect example where, you know, when he knows who he's working with as an artist... What's Judd's last name? Winnick. Okay. And it's uh, 1N. Winnick. W-I-N-I-C-K? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, he he knows how to write for the strength of the, the artist that, he, the, yeah. that he's writing for. And Bendis, because of his situation, same thing like with Fraction and a lot of these guys are working for Marvel now, Hickman... They have these artists that they're working with, and they write to the strength. And that's when you see the beauty of comics, because like Sean Phillips, mm-hmm. Brubaker knows exactly what Sean Phillips can do on the page, but at the same time, Sean Phillips will come back with stuff that's just beyond even right. what he had, had envisioned. You know, is I, I would think like the first time you write a comic book, it's got to be the opposite. Yeah. Where the artist has to figure out how to do your but, vision. But see, the other side of it is, you know, comics are... I feel like the art is the hardest part of it. The, the art is the hardest part, no question. And finding an artist that you mesh with is yeah. even harder. But comics, to me, are like... You think about indie film and DIY. Getting a film put together is a very difficult thing. You have to get, you know, equipment. you got to get financing. you got to get it's a team. actors. Yeah. It's a team. It's 50 people, at least, you know... Whereas, you know, and it's amazing that Felicia Day has been able to do the guilt because even that, you know, it's, it's five people at least, you know, she writes it herself and right. she's a brilliant writer, but you know, it's, it's five actors, it's crew and things like that. Now, cut to, you have someone like Blair Butler, mm-hmm. who is, she's the comic book person for uh, Attack of the Show. Okay. And she does comics in uh, MMA. Right. She's very big in MMA. In fact, if you want an MMA geek on, uh, or nerd rather, on, uh, the Dork Forest. That massive, what is that? Um, it's the MMA. Mixed martial arts. Oh, the mixed martial arts. You know what people keep saying? You want a mixed martial arts person, get this one. Get, and, and I was like, no. I think a lot of people are into mixed martial arts. Blair, Blair, Blair Butler, actually, she reports on it for G4. So okay. she, she's your person. And, and I, I've met her. I just. Okay. Yeah. And so she wanted to do a story about MMA. Right. And cut to, she meets this, artist Kevin Mellon, I think his name is, who's in St. Louis, which is where she originally, you know, she's setting the story. Okay. So he knows the scenery and things like that. They go to Image. They have a comic called Heart. The second issue came out yesterday. The first issue... Someone was talking about that. Was that you? It's great. I don't know know that it's me, but the first issue was great. And it's like, she nailed all of these things about fighters, sports, and, you know, Mellon hits the notes with the art. Right. And it was one of these things where there's an artist that I like who's a guy by the name of Paul Gulacy. Okay. Who does, he used to master the, uh, Kung Fu and he does a lot of very good fight sequences. Right. And is he an indie, does he do a lot of indie stuff or is Well, it- he's doing actually Star Wars right now. Okay. He does a lot of DC Marvel. But Mellon hit all of the fight choreography. That she wanted. That she wanted. And it was amazing because, you know, I'm not an MMA guy. Right. But you could tell. You could tell. <laughs> and, and the thing was, it was a great entrance into the world. And it was a story where if she went and tried to do it another way. Right. You know, how do you get the money, the people, the time? Right. You, you, gotta find, you have to, if you can find the right person, you can do it more simply. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know, a, a friend of mine from high school, believe it or not, the guy who lived neck, down the block from me, uh, or in the second street over, is a guy by the name of Dan Goldman. Mm-hmm. And Dan is a comic book artist. 
he does a webcomic called uh, Red Light Properties. Red Light Properties. And the premise of it is, you know, people who buy homes that are, um, you know, basically have ghosts in them. Oh, These really? are the guys that go and exercise the ghost, and it's in oh. South Florida, which is where we're both from. And in fact, I just saw him. So it's uh, based on a real thing. Thanksgiving. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. I, I mean, it's okay, ghosts. So, but it's yeah. ghosts. And, um, but but the, you know, like I know people who be- genuinely believe in ghosts and are like, yes, that's a job. I mean, that sounds like a job that's made but, out of whole cloth that right. someone would do. And and he, you know, it's a perfect example of you know, he's a comic book artist. He's doing the comic online. Right. Boom, puts up the comic. You know. And is it's able like to- John Kovalik. Do you know John Kovalik? No. He does. I went to college with John. He did. He did all the art for Munchkin. He does okay. all the art for the Munchkin the, uh, board game. Oh yeah. And um, and the apple for apples to apples. He drew that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so John Kovalik, he's from Wisconsin. He still lives there. I believe he's friends with Neil Gaiman. Oh, and, nice. Which that makes me two people away from Neil. <laughs> Neil Gaiman. Actually, and you're three with me because Brad. No, Sam. Yeah. And Chris Hardwick had him on the podcast. Right, too. exactly. And, uh, yeah. But the uh, um, but but John Kovalik, uh, when we went to college together, and we both worked at the Daily Cardinal, which was the 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 newspaper for the there were two newspapers. There was a um, I forget the name of the other one now. Ah, damn it. Daily Card- There was a Daily Cardinal, which was sort of the liberal one, and right. then there was more conservative one because it was the eighties. Right. And, exactly. Um, you had to have both. Right. Yeah. And Steve Marmel worked for the the conservative one, and it's so funny because Steve he's Steve is a guy. He's all he is is Steve Marmel has always had old man politics. Steve Marmel is the guy who created the Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um and he's he's a very dark, very funny guy and. The thing, yeah, it's like, hey, Steve, how's it going? Anyway, um, but John Kovalik writes a thing called Dork Tower. Yeah, I know Dork Tower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. Um, and it's funny because we we exchange Dork T-shirts uh, via the nice. via the mail. And he just he just did a um, he he was uh, warming up and he he just drew uh, some art of me slaying a dragon. And it's such the Munchkin like the, a Munchkin card. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dude. Well, and and that's the other thing I like about comics is that for the most part. All the people that I have met in comics, and like through Judd and Brad, I've met a lot of people. Yeah. All super nice. Right. Attainable. Approachable. Approachable. You can, (laughs) like, I've had Twitter conversations with, like, Jeff Parker. I've had Twitter conversations with him who writes Thunderbolts, which, by the way, Thunderbolts is a great, weird, like... I like the idea of Thunderbolts. I haven't read this one yet. It's good. It's it's supposed to be the new, the number 166. And um, I tur- Andy turned me onto it because he, he Andy loves redemption. Right. He's like uh, so, and, like who doesn't? And that book is all that book is all redemption. It's, right. And I, like I like my Nazis buffoonish. Right. Like, I can't watch. Uh, I can't do any like. I don't want to hear a story about a competent Nazi. That well, sounds like the biggest nightmare of my life. You, you know the, the the funny thing. The irony is, I just finished. Greg Pak wrote. Pak. Uh, Pak. Yeah. Yes. He wrote a Red Skull origin, and then he wrote a Magneto origin. Oh, yeah, and, I read the Magneto one. Yeah, the Magneto one was, like, heavy Holocaust research, yeah. and the Nazis were, like, not buffoonish. No, no. It was... Far too German in their yeah. efficiency, and you're like, Dude. But But I can tell you, you know, growing up, we would have... I went to a Jewish day school until about eighth grade. Right. And we would have Holocaust survivors come in and talk to us. Cheerful. Very cheerful. Yes. And... That book encapsulated so much of Germany at the time that they talked about of, you know, what was going on. But yeah, you know, Mel Brooks, his whole thing with Hitler was his goal in life is to make Hitler look like a buffoon. Yeah. Which is why at every turn he does crazy things with Hitler. Because he's just like, I'm going to make this man into a buffoon. And it's like, I'm going to reduce this guy to a puddle of just idiocy. Exactly. And good on you. Because yeah, because that's, I mean, that, it, it takes the thorn out of it so much more than, right. than vilifying it and, and, and just sort of putting them up on a pedestal. Because those supervillains that everybody loves, like, sort of want to follow, if you right. make a real one like that, that's not well, good. But also when you reveal, you know, the reveals that they have, there was a Doctor Doom story that someone did, and I forget who exactly did it, where, like, you know, the whole thing is that Doctor Doom wears his mask because... He and Reed Richards, who from the Fantastic Four, they were like college buddies. Right. They were doing this experiment. Where and the only way I know that is from that uh, very mediocre 
uh, the two early movies. Oh, the, yeah, the movies are terrible, yeah. yeah. And, and by the way... Which I didn't mind, because I didn't know anything about the F- Fantastic Four. N- not to be political, but <laughs> not a fan of Victor Von Doom's, uh, you know, ruling style in Avaria. I'm just oh, going to say it. Take a stand. I'm going to say a stand. All right, Latveria. So, uh, own yourselves. Occupy yeah. yourselves, Latveria. Occupy Latveria. <laughs> so, by the way, that'll be a dated joke, I'm sure. But, so, you know, the whole thing is the two of them were buddies in college. He's doing this experiment where he's trying to, like, reach out to, like, talk to his dead mother. There's a, you know, lab, you know, the experiment goes wrong. Right. His face gets destroyed. Right. And he blames. That's why he wears the mask. Right, right, he wears the mask, and he blames Reed Richards for you know what you know for doing it because the calculations were wrong. The Joker or whatever. blaming Superman for not saving him, and you're like, why don't you own your own life, buddy? Well, exactly, and, and you know, and, and the other thing is, it's like you know, really, Reed Richards. Well, first of all, by the way, he was wrong twice because if he screwed that up, he also screwed up the the shielding on the rocket. You know, he's such a right. he's such a brainiac. He doesn't put enough <laughs> shielding on the rocket, but whatever. So the funny thing though, someone did a reveal where. It was, they pulled the mask off, and he's got, like, a scar the size of a thumbnail on his cheek. Ah. And you realize, he's such a vain SOB. He can't take it. That that is the That's horribly the You know, whereas, like, when Jack Kirby and Stan Lee wrote it, you know, he's, like, horribly disfigured. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Red Skull's daughter. Right. The Who's Red, awesome. Who was beautiful. Right. Because uh, the Red Skull was like, I can't stand looking at you. And then and, finally she destroys her own looks because she wants to be like Daddy or whatever. And by the way, what a great romance between her and Crossbones, who she oh. completely treats him like crap, and yet he just keeps on being he's, like... He keeps on keeping on. He's always there for her. You know what he could use? Al-Anon. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was my favorite one recently that is no longer is the Taskmaster story. Yes, Fred Van Lente. Was that who that was? Fred Van Lente wrote that. He's another guy who I've had a lot of Twitter conversations with. Fantastic. He is one of my favorite Marvel writers. He did a great job with that Taskmaster. That Taskmaster was amazing. And by the way, yeah, the weird Hitler, uh, what did they call them, the, the villains? Oh, the, the Taskmaster villains? Yeah, there was like a whole clone of Hitlers that he had. I can't remember. I forget it was something. It was something cute and comical. I can look it up. Um, um, yeah. So let's let's uh, recommend some some indie stuff because because so, it's hard for people to get into the superhero stuff yeah. immediately, which is why to recommend Unwritten and Chew and Lock and Key and Chew, and, and Chew is great. Chew is great and yeah. are, are easier because because you can get into them a little bit. I'll I'll tell you for my money. But I love the, Lucifer too. The Mike two, Harry's so great. Yeah, Mike Harry's fantastic. I just started the Unwritten, which is great. Oh, did so you? oh, good. So three comics that I would recommend that are indie that people would want to maybe get into. If you're into Harry Potter, yeah, the Unwritten is your book. <laughs> that is the best book ever. That's all I'll say. Right. I'll tell you, for my money, Scott Pilgrim is one of the best comics I've read. You know what? I didn't see the movie, and I haven't read the and book. the movie is one of the best adaptations of a comic book in okay. the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So Scott Pilgrim's on there. Why the Last Man and Ex Machina. Yep. Both by Brian K. Vaughn. I love Brian K. Vaughn, and uh, Why the Last Man was one of the first books I ever chose when we yeah. first started going. Good gateway drug. It was a great gateway drug. That Remember Hard Times, the guy who wrote Howard the Duck? Yes, yeah, Steve Gerber. Steve Gerber wrote Hard Times, and then they canceled it too soon, so yes. it ended with like a, but as did Why the Last, I didn't like how Why the Last Man died. Yeah, you know, and endings and are it, hard. Red. Endings are so hard. They're difficult, but yeah. you know who's really good at them? Uh, Ed Brubaker. Ed Brubaker does uh, great endings. The new, Kyle Baker. The new criminal, and by the way, Kyle Baker, another guy who, funny story about Kyle Baker, you've, have you read Why I Hate Saturn? Yes. He went to Hollywood to pitch Why I Hate Saturn as a TV series, mm-hmm. and they said, yeah, but nobody's going to want to, like, watch people in New York sitting in a coffee shop. Like, who, who wants to watch that? What? It was, like, a year before <laughs> Friends. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he wrote about it in, I think it was Spy Magazine. Right. They were talking about, like, the crazy 80s. Um, but <laughs> another comic, this is going to be a curveball. Okay. But Pluto, which Pluto. is a Japanese manga. Okay. And the thing about Pluto that's crazy is... Astro Boy yeah. is one of the most beloved characters in Japan. Okay. He's like a Mickey Mouse category type of guy, right? Yeah. And this this guy basically says, you know what? I want to reimagine. His name is Nick Niaki Ar- Arasawa. Um, okay. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. But he basically says, I'm gonna want, I'm gonna reimagine 
Pluto. Okay. Uh, Astro Boy is Pluto, which, by the way, like, if you said I'm going to reimagine Mickey Mouse, it's like, get the hell out of here, right? <laughs> right. So he does this with the son of the guy who created Astro Boy. Oh, offering and, some cred. Yeah, and it was one of the best. And, and Japanese comics read very differently. Yeah. But this is First one that's... First of all, a, they read like Hebrew. They read right, right exa- to left. Exactly, which and, uh, I used to be able to read. Um, <laughs> until but, eighth grade. Until eighth grade, and then I completely <laughs> lost it all. Oh, yeah, my, oh, my bar mitzvah, let me tell you. The, my bar mitzvah, <laughs> the invitation to the party for my bar mitzvah was the Adventures of Superman comic book with him holding the eagle on his on his shoulder right. on on his arm, and we bought like you know seventy five or a hundred of them. We special ordered them, and we put word balloons on the comic that said, "Hey, it's Noah's bar mitzvah. Come to <laughs> you know." So you were dipped from early days. Oh, from I mean, I've been reading comics as long as I could read, probably yeah. even before that. Was your were your parents into them? No, in, in fact, my oldest brother had some comic books. But the thing was, the way I got into comic books is my dad used to uh, take us back to my mom's house on Saturday, mm-hmm. and he would stop at the drugstore to get the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Because back then, like, that's the only way you could get it was, like, at a drugstore. Right, if you, unless you lived in New York. Unless yeah. you lived in New York. So we were living in Miami. Right. And so he would let us get a comic or a candy. Okay. And I would get a comic. Right. And then at some point, my sister said to me, oh, you know, there are stores... They just have comic books. Someone (laughs) told me about them. And so that's, I got a poll and the whole thing. Yeah. So I've been reading comics since like forever, which is like seven, six or seven years old. Right. So I've gone all in probably even before that. Right. You know, so so that's why I'm like all in on comics. Right. right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Pluto's a weird one because it's manga, but I'd recommend it. And by the way, another indie comic that I'd recommend that doesn't have an end yet, but just started. Oh, so it's a good time to get in. Yeah. Bendis... And Alex Maleev, yeah, they did one of the best runs on Daredevil for my money. Okay, they did a book called. They're doing a book called Scarlet. Okay, and Scarlet is about a woman who gets pushed too far. That'll happen, man. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but but it's very prophetic. Okay, it's very prophetic of like reading? what's going on with Occupy Wall Street and things like that. Oh, okay. You know? Oh, nice. I love. The, yeah. That's why I got into the fear itself thing. Right. Because I hate how we're supposed to be afraid of everything. And, and all uh, what I should have been afraid of is spending uh, probably $400 on comic books. Yeah. Because there were too many Fear Itself titles. Uh, I did stuck you, with did the you core. Read, uh, did you read uh, Shame Itself? I did, which, which was great. Wyatt Cenac and yeah. Victor Varnado, a couple of comics. Wyatt Cenac, of course, famous because of Daily Show. But... Um, those guys, uh, they, they're all little minis, and they're just... Right, which were all, humorous, yeah. And meta, and so jokes and, upon themselves. And Colleen Coover did a, a comic in there who's oh, great. Right. Yeah, which I don't know her. She's fantastic. She does she does stuff here and there, and she does a lot of humorous stuff. Okay. Um, and she's a fantastic... She's another person I met you know, on Twitter and yeah. talked to. She's fantastic. I'll drop one other comic that's, that's a big one that um, I think people would like, which is... For my money, Garth Ennis is one of the best writers in comics. He's so great. He is He's great. He's so great. There's he, so many great artists. There are so many great... Yeah, exactly. Great comic book writers. And he did a book called Preacher, which was like Sandman and Preacher in the 90s yeah, were was, the two people, comics that, that people got into. recommended that one to me, but and I don't think... Preacher, I wonder if Andy's got that. Yeah, if you're a lapsed Catholic, <laughs> that's your book. <laughs> All right. Because it explores religion and things like that. And for me as a Jew, I'm just like, yeah, okay, I, I guess, I get it. you know, I yeah. get it, man. Yeah. What about, did you read Lucifer? I, you know, I didn't. And, and the reason I didn't read it is because a lot of the um, Christian religion stuff for me, right. I don't have any frame of reference for that. Okay. You know, it goes, it's, it's all original Bible stuff. It's all, it's, it's, oh, all, okay. Yeah, it's not like it's New Testament. I, well, I know it yeah. from the Hebrew names, which always screws me up. Right. So, yeah, so there might be some of that going on, but, um, but Lucifer is one of the. It's Mike Carey, and it's and it's sort of a spinoff of Sandman. Yeah. But, uh, well, it is because it, yeah, it is because that was the, the Lucifer. Sandman yeah. Gives the keys to he- Lucifer gives the keys to hell to Sandman, and then there's this big plot point of who gets the keys to hell after Lucifer leaves. Right. And um, but Lucifer decides that he does not wish to be part of God's ineffable plan, and he's sick of God. And he's because and then God shows up and says, "Well, you know, part of my ineffable plan was that you would run hell." 
And Lucifer's like, I hate you. I so hate you. And um, so he decides that he's going to run a bar in... um, in Los Angeles. Oh, He's nice. He's going to run a jazz club in Los Angeles. Nice. And um, it's very tongue-in-cheek, because Mike Carey is such an amazing writer. Right. That, and it's long. It's another one that is thousands of books, and you got to go to the library, and you got to find someone, you know, you know, yeah. marry somebody. And start dating say, somebody who cares. Women and, in Austin, if you want comics, <laughs> date me. Right. I'm available, and it's good. Cutler will go to the long boxes for you. Exactly. It's a dick joke. Well, yeah. and boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send people to your to your uh, blog. Yeah, and, and also actually. Uh, Where else? Because he's family. BradMelzer.com. Oh yeah. Buy yeah. his books. Oh, buy for all, everything. And, Brad and Judd's doing Batwing and Catwoman right now. Buy Batwing and Catwoman from DC Comics. Okay. Um, and yeah, those are the those are the plugs, you know. And thank you so much for hooking me up with Brandon over at Austin uh, Books. Oh no Comics. problem. I can't wait to see. It's going to be awesome to. It's going to be Ernie Klein, and then there's uh, Mary Jo Peel. Yeah. So local uh, Austin Dork luminaries. I love yeah. it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jackie. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?